and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society. Tonight in the Rum Society at Kanye Rum Bar in downtown Los Angeles, I was paired up with our very own GM, Urban Garcia, to walk the crowd through the beautiful line of El Dorado rums from Guyana. Oh yeah, Demerara Distillers. We tried the ICBU the PM and the EHP, all referring to different stills they have at that ancient Demerara distillers in their cool old distillery. Oh, it was an amazing night. Always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't get totally wasted on Pete Chirac and walk outside your hotel room without your pants on. It's very rude and you don't know who could be out there. Maybe a nice old lady or some children. Be Cool, baby. Keep your pants on, unless you're me. And this is a podcast, which means I could not be wearing pants right now. You don't know. You don't know. It's a mystery to you. Cheers. All right, all right. We're here tonight to taste on some wonderful rums from Guyana. Yes. British Guyana. Well, ex-British Guyana. Ex-British Guyana. There's French Guyana. British Guyana. there you go. British Guiana, right? Formerly British Guiana. Formerly British Guiana, yeah. But some great stuff. And, and this is uh, still to this day, Guyana is known for uh, producing some of the best molasses in the world. In fact, back in the day when rum was first being made and widely distributed, it was once the spirit of the old world, of the new world especially, actually. Um, but now, now the rum, the molasses production part the demand for rum is so high, and the people who are actually making molasses, that, that kind of production has actually gone down. So Guyana is responsible for producing some of the best molasses in the world, and that's where a lot of the best rums in the world are sourcing their molasses to this day. They still yes, have the, some of the biggest sugar production going on in Guyana. The islands have lost their, their plantation fields and now are sourcing molasses from other countries. Right. And Guyana being one of them. And, uh, and Guyana is most famous for the Demerara River Valley, which those sugar plantations along that river valley are famous for some of the best quality sugar in the world and thus also some of the best mm-hmm. quality molasses. And uh, we're going to taste some yeah, of that stuff So tonight. the distiller sits on the East Bank and they harvest twice a year and they also burn their fields. Why would they burn their fields? There's so a lot of reasons why uh, you would burn the fields when it comes to a sugarcane field before harvest. One, if there's rodent population, you don't want to have to contend with that. That runs off all the rats or whatever. It's sugar, so it attracts a lot of different, you know, animals love the energy that they get from sugar. Um, also, uh, the sugar grass itself, you think about sugarcane is, is, is a, a mutant form of grass that is like, huge and it's really sharp if you've ever like run through a, a sugarcane field the grass itself it, it was it's an incredibly hard harvest the, the harvesting of sugarcane is really intense so by burning the fields you get rid of a lot of the, the the foliage around the plant you kind of like sanitize the field and it basically cooks the sugar a little bit before you actually go to harvest so there's a number of reasons like uh, it, it basically, you can think of fire as, as, as a cleansing agent for the field, but it makes it a lot easier to harvest, I would think. I've never actually had to harvest any sugar, but I, I would love to. Yeah. yeah. So uh, tonight we're going to try the EHP, the first single barrel. Um, 
release from El Dorado. So this. What's EHP stand uh, sorry, for? Sorry, I'm so sorry. It's the first one. ICBU. The ICBU. They just moved the bottles around on me. What's uh, what's ICBU? What do those letters stand the for? The ICBU is going to be the Versailles still. So it's um, a French four-column still. And this is Demerara Distillers Limited, right? Yes. Now, so this is made out of molasses. Fermentation takes about 26 hours, about. And the wash itself is like 7% alcohol. Have you Before, been to this distillery? No, but I'm trying to get there. I'm, so, gonna, I'm doing a DR first and hopefully getting my way down too. So the Demerara Distillers Limited, this distillery is really famous because it's, it's one of the oldest distilleries in the country. And it is... They have many different styles of stills because stills were brought from the old world and they have like some old French stills. They have some old Dutch stills. They have like copper pot stills. They have copper uh, wooden. Uh, don't they have the wooden uh, we'll column there. still there? We'll, we'll which is there. like, <laughs> it's totally crazy. It, man. All right, so oh, what is a column still, Pedro? So a column still is essentially a pot still with uh, a bunch of pot stills stacked on top of each other. Think of a pot still as just basically a big copper pot. As if you're making soup, you make it one batch at a time. Same in the rum making process. If you're using a copper pot still, it's one batch at a time. Very limited amount of production coming out of that because you have to like clean out the still after every single batch. But with a column still, you could be dumping that molasses wine in the top, running steam up from the bottom, pulling the solids out with a little rake at the bottom of the, of the thing and run it continuously. The column still represents the industrialization of the alcohol making process. So that allowed them to go from doing batch by batch, maybe a couple batches a day, to be able to run a still that's 24 hour seven. That would massively you know, increase the volume that they could create every, every day and every year for that matter. Yes. Um, that being said, the column distillate is also much more controllable. You can kind of take the alcohol vapor off at different levels and control the flavor of the distillate itself by uh, how low or how high in volatile compounds it is when you pull the alcohol off. So it allows you a lot more control over the end flavor of the distillate. That being said, in the rum that we're drinking tonight, most of the flavor that we're getting is actually from the barrel, not from the distillate. You do retain the identity of the molasses itself. We are gonna be able to tell this is a molasses-based distillate, but most of the color, all of the color actually, and most of the flavor is going to be coming from the barrels that they're matured in. So what is this first expression? He lost me a long time ago. Uh, oh, I thought I was sorry, pretty clear. Bro. Am I not? I that was <laughs> okay, clear. so this has been aged in uh, first-use American oak barrels, uh, and it's a minimum of 12 years. So let's nose this and taste. All right. How do we nose, Pedro? Well, first time. I'm a first time here. Okay. This is, <laughs> this is Urban's first time doing this. So uh, it's not like smelling wine or beer. If you stick your nose in the glass and just breathe in with your nose, you might just smell alcohol. Or some people say, I smell fire. Smelling fire is not fun, right? Nobody wants to smell fire. It'll burn your face off. So the thing is... <laughs> thing is to go slow you're not wrong it does smell like alcohol but like wine and beer those are just fermented beverages this is a distillate the alcohol proof is much much higher so you need to go slow so i like to stick in my nose in the glass breathe in gently through my mouth waft those alcohol vapors over the back of your palate hopefully it cools it down enough that you can think about what food words you're reminded of or it could be a place or it could be a color or 
you know, whatever comes to mind, share your experience. This is a chance for us as a community to get better at our ability to smell and taste. So what are you getting as you stick your nose in that glass, guys? Banana? Banana's foster. I love that. Chocolate? Vanilla? Vanilla? Orange. I'm getting some like orange and cola. I get like, yeah, like orange zest and some cola. Also, there's, to me, there's a touch of rubberiness, which is a phenolic or what we call like phenolics or what we um, think of as kind of like burnt notes. So that would, I would attribute, when I smell things like a rubbery note, something, a sulfury note, that tells me that this is a molasses-based distillate as opposed to rums that are just made from cane juice, all right? Molasses-based rums are more common. That being said, I mean, cachaça all over Brazil, which is massive and huge, those are all made from cane juice, not from molasses. But Bacardi, that's made from molasses, and that's by far the biggest producer. club is molasses. Yes, sir. Yeah. So those guys, those big boys are producing far more volume than say like rum Clement or rums from Martinique, rum Agricole. They're now Agricole rums coming out of Mexico. There, I, I was just a, a judge in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. There was this amazing uh, Agricole rum in, in the Agricole. Everything's blind, so I was doing this tasting and uh, I, it was in the rum Agricole thing and I was like, I'm in love with this rum, what is it, what is it? And it, it didn't end up winning. I voted for it to win. It didn't win that the whole unaged spirit category. But after the competition, I ran down to look at it, and it was a test bottle of this cane juice-based rum coming out of Vietnam. Wow. Like, it's not even on the market yet, but Southeast Asia, some amazing, beautiful. And the thing about the molasses, I mean, the cane juice-based rums, they can be really funky. They can take on some briny notes. That's not what we're getting here. We're getting that cooked down sugar. We're getting those, like that, that phenolic note comes from the burnt sugar of the sugar making process. Yes. So, so let's taste what's up. Yeah, now tap it over your tongue, guys. What are you guys getting? Sometimes your nose will lead you in one direction and your tongue will taste you, uh, tell you something else. Okay, I'm getting like coconut. Like to me, I was getting like that orange and cola, but on my tongue, I'm getting this toasted coconut. It really lingers along in the back of my palate. What else are you guys getting? Vanilla. Vanilla, right on, yeah. right on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What else? What are you guys getting back there? Rum. <laughs> rum. Yeah. You are not wrong, my love. You are absolutely 100% right. We are drinking rum. It's good. If she's like, it tastes like mezcal, I'll be like, oh, really? Okay. No wrong answers. It's no cool. wrong answers. Yeah, no wrong answers here. Beautiful. So what were you telling us about this still? This was the old Versailles still? Yes. It's a, it's, it's a French column still. Yeah. So a French column still brought over from Versailles. And I believe that this still is like one of the oldest yes. used column stills currently in production anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. So the copper, this is like an old world funky one of the first column steels used in mass production of rum. So, and there is a certain metallic quality I get. Maybe that the copper is coming through a little bit, which is not unusual and not unpleasant to me. I really like the way this one tastes. Here's the thing. Okay, um, so this is all, this the other thing we need to bring up is that this is really special. What we're tasting tonight is very rare because it's really hard to find single barrel rums in America. That's kind of a newer category that's coming to market. 
So this means that everything in this bottle didn't come from a batch like at the distillery when they're bottling every day. They're usually doing like 10 barrels, 20 barrels, 40 barrels, 100 barrels. Some big distilleries like Bacardi, their main plant, they could probably bottle 1,000 barrels in a day. And that's a massive bottling batch. This is the antithesis of that. This is single barrel rum, meaning everything in your glass, everything that we're sharing in this room today came from one barrel, meaning that there's only maybe 30 to 40 cases. Yeah, this, I was trying to see total. if it had a number of bottles, but I don't see it. And you can also see that this is not chill filtered. This is a little cloudy rum. This is the rum that our ancestors would have drank. It's not chill filtered. It's, it's at 40%. What does color tell us in a rum? Well, it's darker, the lighter, the cloudy, like... Generally speaking, you would say the darker it is, the older it is. That being said, in the rum world, the rum world is notorious for its lack of transparency. Because rum is made in so many different countries in such a small area, there's no overarching uh, law that tells people that you have to do it this way because they're all independent countries. They're sovereign to themselves. There's no overarching body that tells them how to make it. So therefore, you can have, in the rum world, you can have a, a rum that says rum 23, which would lead you, to, lead you to believe that that is a 23-year-old rum in that bottle. But under a lot of different countries' lack of guidelines or lack of regulation, that would mean that in their estimation, the people who work in the distillery have judged it to taste like 23-year-old rum. It doesn't actually mean that the youngest rum in that bottle is 23-year-old rum. They're also allowed to use artificial colorings or even not natural colorings. There's a huge tradition in the rum making process to add molasses in to the distillate after distillation for color and for sweetness and for mouthfeel. Molasses is really high in sugar content. It, it adds to that big full mouthfeel that people tend to like. So a lot of rum companies will add sugar or molasses into the rum after the distillation to improve the mouthfeel, to sweeten it, because most people love sweet things, and to give it color. The molasses will add a natural coloring to the rum. So the rum world is not like the, the bourbon world, per se, where here in America we are extremely litigious and you can't add any artificial colorings or any natural colorings at all. In the rum world, you can use naturally colored up to a certain percentage. And country to country, that percentage will go from like 2% to up to like 9 or 10%. So it's a little bit of a cowboy world. Yeah. But part of the reason we exist as a rum society is to create uh, more inquisitive and intelligent uh, consumers who then will hold the, the producers accountable. So if you guys demand that... You want to know all the ingredients in the bottle of rum that you buy at your liquor store. Eventually, the industry will come around. They will respond to what you want to buy. You vote with your dollars. So these kind of little events, slowly, night by night, we can hopefully make for a, a better rum culture in the industry at least. Sorry, drink flavor stuff. Peace Chirac. <laughs> Peace Chirac. Hey. Oh, my God. Dropping bombs. There all right. See, that's good. Uh-huh. She said it was good. Okay. Okay, okay, I'm not gonna argue. If you love yeah, I'm not gonna argue with artificial flavor. I'm like, I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting into. Uh, okay. So now you have the. I want to know what's the, what's the bottle cost gonna run me it, in my little store? thing. I don't know if they're selling them anymore because they released a new line of uh, the same different still releases. Uh, so I don't know if 
these are still available. So I don't oh, know if, cool. if... So what we're explaining is that these are really limited releases. Anytime you're doing a single barrel release, that is a super small amount of rum coming out of that single barrel release. And these guys are trying to show you how a different kind of still can produce a different kind of distillate. So even though it's coming from the same distillery, those different distills, uh, those different stills in the single barrel form will create very huge variances within the different releases. Yeah, so, so the new bottles look like their original Dorado 12, 15, 21. Short bottles with the actual name of the still. Not like these guys, single barrel uh, with ICBU, EHP, and PM. So they're uh, much more like... The uh, the new ones or this here? Uh, well, I have uh, six bottles of each up in our office. And then the new ones, I don't have them yet, so. Um, so now what you guys have in front of you is the EHP, is the Enmark uh, still. That's a wooden column still. Wow, okay, so it is super counterintuitive because when it comes to making a distillate, obviously in the old world, they would have had an open fire source underneath what was a lot of times a, a copper kettle. And if the copper kettle sparks a leak or overflows, you're making alcohol, you have open flame. Let's just say that a lot of distillers have a lot of problems with burning down, massive fires, that kind of thing, explosions, etc. Yes, explosions, no joke. Um, so very volatile and very counterintuitive. The still that this rum is made from is actually an old world wooden still. So the sides are actually made of wood. It's a gigantic wooden barrel with a copper bottom and a copper top. And I, a column though. Oh, but it's a column. So it's metal and wood. So it's the base part is made out of wood and then it's going into layers of a column of all copper, but still unimaginably dangerous. Whose idea was it to make the still out of wood? That seems crazy, but this is it. One of probably the only rum you've ever had in your life made from a wooden still. So another single barrel expression, meaning possibly only from that single barrel 35 to 45 cases, yeah. each case being six bottles each. So you can do the math there. Not a huge release. What are you guys getting on this? Stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. This is the El Dorado single barrel Demerara run EHP. EHP. And that stands for which which stills that stand uh, for? And more. Which one? And more. And more stuff. In more still. Maple yeah. and honey. Yeah. Certain sweetness, yeah. Licorice. All right, all right. What are you getting? Pancake syrup. Pancake syrup. I love that. I have, I have a question. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yes. So the wood distillate, does the wood add flavor into the rum? In the distillation, it might add some. Um, most of the flavor that you're going to get from the wood in this flavor profile is going to come from the maturation, not the distillation. So there's three aspects of the production process, which will bring different flavors to the flavor profile. You've got the fermentation, in which the yeast is eating the sugars in your molasses wine, creating different fruity flavors, what we call esters. You're then distilling the alcohol off of that molasses wine. Some of those esters will make it through the still. Now, if it's a pot still, or in this case, a, a wooden-sided still, that'll change the, the, the chemical composition of the distillate coming off the still, 
but where most of the flavor of the rum is gonna come from is in the maturation. So what kind of barrels are they aging it in? That's where it's spending most of its time. And the alcohol is breathing into the wood during the hot parts of the day, shrinking back out of the wood in the cool parts of the night. In the Caribbean especially, in equatorial areas, you get a lot more evaporation, it's so hot there. Also, you have a high humidity a lot of times, will actually push water into the barrels. So it creates a huge confluence of different flavors that will end up in the bottle having, you know, spent that much time. So the time. type of wood in the still doesn't matter. Not so much. That you could you could say that it's more for just containing. It's yeah, for the it's more about the maturation barrel. Um, I would say that the wood in the fermentation vats would probably have more effect on the flavor than the wood in the still in this case. This is very much an anomaly still, but it does definitely produce a pretty unique spirit. Oak has tannins in it as well. So there's natural occurring tannins in, in a fermented beverage like wine that are coming from the grapes. There's also tannins that are coming from the wood of whatever barrels that we're using. In this case, I'm betting that American these are used bourbon casks, right? So American, American white oak, first use, charred oak barrels. I mean, recycled bourbon barrels, essentially, which have a lot of char. And the, the tannins from that white oak tree are definitely going to create that astringency and that kind of architecture of dryness that you're talking about on your tongue. That comes from the oak, for sure. And you guys are saying oaky, same, same. So Licorice, yeah, I'm getting the licorice. I'm getting that maple syrup vibe too. I'm also getting some kind of stone fruit in here. I'm thinking like a- Raisin. What? Raisin, like dried fruit. Dried fruit, that's good, okay. Raisins, that's beautiful. What else? Prunes. Prunes, I think I was getting more prunes, but that's good. Yeah, yeah, raisins and prunes. Very, very similar for sure, that's beautiful. Wow, that's really nice. I'm also getting, there's a tiny, tiny bit of like clove. I'm getting yellow raisin. Now that she said raisin, now I'm like, I can't, I can't get off that golden raisin is what I'm really, really smelling. Really, really specific. Beautiful one. So Josh and Edward are coming around with our third expression, which is our final one tonight, right? We're just doing all single barrels, so all super rare stuff. So this will be something like as you, if you guys fall in love with this, start to look for more of these single barrel expressions because this is kind of a newer category in the rum world. The idea that you can buy rum that's from a single barrel. It's a lot uh, more complicated, especially $60. When from another. $60. Wow, that's a great bargain. To, to just to put it in the framework of how complicated it is to bring a single barrel rum to market in America, if you're coming from another country, Diana, it's like those guys are having to go through the TTB, all the legal steps it takes just to do this si single barrel release. It's counterintuitive that they would want to do it. The complications of having to like figure it out, the new releases in a new country every single time when it's such a limited amount of juice, it's, it means that they really think this must be special to go through all that extra work. Mm -hmm. For sure. What is this one? Uh, the PM, the Fort Moran cast. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, the the wooden, um, wooden pot still. Sorry. Oh, uh, it tastes like scotch. So this is a wooden pot still. Yes. So we had the wooden column still. Now we're tasting the wooden pot still. That the Dimmerara Distillers Limited. This distillery, they've got like five different kinds of stills, 
and some big, huge column more industrial like stills. Stills. Nine stills total, but like five old world stills. So this one is a, a wooden pot still style. Again, totally scary to me in terms of like why this thing doesn't leak all the time or blow up or. Well, I'm sure they have a coil now inside that heats up. Right, the in the modern era, they're using steam coils as opposed to open flames. So it's probably much safer than it used to be. Mm -hmm. But the fact that anyone was like, let's just make it out of wood and put a big fire under it. That's, that seems fair. crazy. But um, so here it is, the Pormorant. Now, do we know what kind of barrels this one's finished in? They're or? all finished in uh, first use American oak. First use American oak. All right, so. That's the only finish? That's the only finish. So really, this is about understanding how different stills create different kind of flavor profiles within this one. Because I'm assuming it's the same source of molasses. Same source of molasses. Same place where they're doing the fermentation. fermentation. So the differences really are coming from Stills. So that's what they're trying to do, different expressions of cells. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you guys getting? What? Good. It's good. The roof is higher on this one. Yeah, what do you guys think? I definitely smell. Say again? It's funky. It's funky. I agree. I agree. Smoky? I don't smell as much. It tastes like, like your grandpa. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. It's your grandpa. You can lick him all you want. I don't know. I was like. <laughs> I think if my grandpa is more of a smell than a taste, but um, that's just me. No judgment. No judgment. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Judgment free zone for sure. This is a judgment free zone. There's no wrong answers, right? It's all about your personal experience. No, but. Okay, I know what you're saying in a way because I almost get this as a wooly like smell. I get a smell of like old wool, which is like, like lanolin, which goes back to. Uh, the the cellulose of the tree, those kind of uh, those kind of notes will come from wood. Sometimes you'll get linen, or you might get wool coming from the wood. I'm getting some apple notes too. I'm getting like a green apple thing happening, and like wet wool. What else? And so none of these have age statements, right, Urban? Twelve years. Oh, they're all twelve years. Minimum twelve years. This is the whiskey rum. This is like red right? Oh, right on. So he's saying this is a whiskey rum, it, and we've had a lot of people. Well, is it red breast twelve finished in the rum cast? Or is it the fourteen? Or I'm, I'm thinking about Belvin. You're thinking about Teelings is finished in a rum cast. No, I think red breast twelve is finished in the. Not the rum, not the 12 the, year. Balvini oh, 14. Balvini, Balvini 14 year is finished in a rum cast. There we go. So there are Every scotches. There are scotches. Yeah, you had it, Urban. There, there are go. scotches that are finished in rum cast. So this might be considered kind of a, a hybrid flavor profile that they're trying to go for that American consumer who loves whiskey. They're trying to create something that kind of like draw you into the rum world. And I'll have you know that like rum is the fastest growing liquor category in Europe for the last four or five years, it's been experiencing like double digit growth. It's huge, hugely popular. If we were in even like London and Scotland right now, like they're drinking rum like crazy. So but a lot of the bars in Paris have a big selection of rum. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of rum that I've never seen. Ooh, it is a much shorter. It doesn't linger as long, but I love that funk. I get that. I get there's like almost like a cheesy note in here. 
and with the apple, I'm getting almost like a Swiss cheese or some kind of like stinky cheese, stinky cheese. So how many folks like the first mark, which was, which one was still? Nice to be you. Oh, the, how many folks like the first mark, the first one we tried tonight? Okay, one, back, two, three. three. Like three. Best, the best of the three. We only tried three single barrel expressions from El Dorado tonight. How many folks like the second mark? Ooh, really? Okay, okay. How many folks like this third mark? All right, all right. I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. There we go. Well, right on. Perfect. So look for these El Dorado single barrel expressions at your local liquor store. If they don't have them, just ask them. Most mom and pop liquor stores will order for you a bottle. They don't have much to lose by ordering just a bottle. It doesn't cost them so much. And if they don't sell it to you, they'll sell it to somebody else. But it's also a good way to kind of like create a rapport with your local liquor store owner, which I highly recommend if you want to throw a party. Right on. Or just buy Peach Rock. Or don't buy Peach Rock. Jeez Louise. You guys, thank you for coming out for Rums Cheers to you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember.